BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you people. J E F F M is in Mary, A N is in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. And it's a credit to the team, uh, to the organizers that we had, to the values that they carried as they engaged with caucus goers, and above all, I think to the vision that we were offering to turn the page and move to the future. Look, I've been following you not only throughout your campaign, but all throughout today. And on stage just now, you became emotional yeah. in the moment talk. What does this moment mean? It's, it's extraordinary. This is uh, a moment that we have been uh, building towards from when we first opened that exploratory committee with four people in a tiny office in South Bend. No big email list, no personal fortune, uh, no campaign money either. I mean, we had to build this thing from scratch and to see how far we've come, what we've been able to do. Now, again, it's the end of the beginning, right? I mean, there, there is a long road ahead. But uh, again, it shows you the, uh, the, the power of having a, a message and connecting with voters, with caucus goers who spend a year uh, working you over, kicking the tires on your ideas, uh, looking you in the eye, and just the, the ability to earn that support is, uh, is so moving. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, February 5th. It's just moments away. But before we get into that, Ben loves that interview with Mayor Pete, by the way. <laughs> Who was interviewing him? CNN. Someone on you know, CNN showing its colors. We love anybody but Bernie. <laughs> they got their orders. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, sponsor this program. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Can't thank these unions enough for jumping on board and sponsoring the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, of course, today's show for Wednesday, February 5th, is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let's hear some more Mayor Pete. Where we've come from uh, <laughs> to be a part of such a remarkable field uh, of uh, uh, Democrats who I have different ideas from, but uh, but also admire and respect deeply, and, and to have come now to, to the front uh, of this process. Hour number two, let's go. 
It is Wednesday, February 5th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. This hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We're going to be talking all things what the hell happened in Iowa and the State of the Union address with WVON's The Buchanan and Seton Shows, a team of Buchanan, and it's the long awaited return of the Chicago political mastermind, Del Marie Cobb. And now, your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. We do indeed have a lot of uh, Chicago masterminds in the studio. Uh, I've been struggling with this issue all day. Maybe a TB Buchanan can enlighten me. I'm a little confused by Monroe's uh, attempts to enlighten me. Maybe Delmarie can help me. Uh, the latest results out of Iowa, Bernie Sanders, 34,136. Pete Buttigieg, 33,094. Somehow in the mathematical universe that exists and governs Democratic <laughs> politics in Iowa, 34 is less. Less than 33. I'm I just, wow, man. New math in Iowa, right? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm really disappointed in Iowa. It, this is the ultimate case of you had one job, right? They've had four years to get ready for this one thing, and they completely botch it and mess it up. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this is enough because this, is, this has been in discussions before to stop having the first caucus or primary in Iowa. And I, I, I'm hoping this is the straw that broke the camel's back. All right, now I'm gonna follow up with that. Uh, but before I do, D, you got an update for us? Uh, absolutely, I do. And uh, Ben Jarofsky, we need to have a talk. Uh, what I do wrong now? Well, it's been happening for a while and I figured we'd come down to this road. So here we are. Steven on the live stream chat weighed in and let us know, y'all need, 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 all caps, need, <laughs> need, need, very important here, y'all yeah. need, need, need to stop saying Bernie bro. Ben speechless. Um, why? He explains. <laughs> he goes on to explain. I've wondered about this. He yeah. goes on to explain. Stephen says Bernie's supporters are less white and less male than the other candidates. He then says calling Bernie supporters bros erases the women and people of color who support Bernie, of oh. which there are many. Wait, time out. Uh, uh, Bernie Bros is an anti-progressive attack, which is not founded in an empirical understanding of the Bernie camp. But I, oh, I like this guy. I, I like this guy. Okay, but but Atiba, it, just to deal with one thing. Bro does not say that you're white. No, but see, I consider myself a Bernie brother. There's a difference. Are you a Bernie brother yeah. these days? Yeah. <laughs> not a brother. brother. I, brother. I, I, I got you. B-R-O-T-H-A. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. No, I could. I, I, I understand the difference. Right. All right. Fair enough. Subtly. Yeah, All right. right. So should we not difference. call you a, a Bernie brother? Is that unfair? Yeah. Call me whatever you like. Bernie's my man. I don't care. I, but, I, but, I, but, I, but I understand where he's coming from because Bernie does have a great amount of support. When you talk about young people, it's not just young men that support him. Uh, his support definitely is, is is across both genders all day long. Yeah. So I get what he's saying. And you don't want to erase the women that support him. So that's, that's a great point. All right, Steve. You're, you make a great point. Although I, will, I like him. I will say this, Atiba. And by the way, Steve, uh, you should definitely check out the uh, TV Buchanan show. Uh, well, I should not just the TV Buchanan. My good friend David Seaton is the also Buchanan on and Seaton show. The Buchanan. David Seaton was here Friday battling a Bernie supporter almost yeah. said a bernie bro well, there we go buddy <laughs> i'm proud of you but you know i gotta just gotta say this on uh election night monday night 
I was fielding calls from many outraged Bernie Sanders supporters who could not believe what they thought was uh, anti-Bernie bias in the coverage from MSNBC. And what they could not believe was the arrogance of their view of Pete Buttigieg to claim victory, even though there was no victory to claim. Right. And one woman I talked to said, I'm a Bernie bro. She was so fired <laughs> up. So anyway, I'm just saying. Love uh, it. It's, yeah, it's well, out there. See, and, and I love alliteration. So I like, that's why I like Bernie bro. Same reason. This is Dr. D. <laughs> <laughs> or some, also known as Dr. Doobie, uh, as in doobies. He smoked over the years. Oh, that's something new since you've last been here at TV. I'm a Dr. Doobie now. It's since awesome. They, since they legalized January 1st? Yeah. Is that when it started? Yeah, actually, he was Dr. Doobie before they legalized it. <laughs> so anyway, Steve, all right. I'm going to really do my Steve best. Steve and company more joined in and said, yeah, let's knock off the Bernie bro thing. Okay, here we go. Discipline, focus, Ben, focus. Don't use Bernie Bro. Okay. All right, got it. There uh, we go. A TBP can before I follow up with the question. Tell everybody where they can listen to your great radio show with David Seaton. Absolutely. So we air on WVON AM 1690 um, and WVON.com and iHeartRadio Friday nights from 9 until midnight central. Mm-hmm. That's correct. The Buchanan and Seaton show. <laughs> and uh, Monroe Anderson will be your guest one of these days. Some, uh, well, he can come Friday if he wants. Oh, there we go. Deal has been cut. Um, all right. Uh, go back to the issue that you raised, Iowa coming first. I think I've always thought it was ridiculous that Iowa would come first anyway. But uh, when you, you ran down the list, go do it again. It's been a while. Of all the flaws uh, that in the, in, the, in the mindset of having Iowa go first. Well, first of all, it's one of the least diverse states, right? And and I have a bigger problem with Iowa than that, per se, but, but let's start with that. So you're talking about an electorate that is over 90% white. Uh, but, the, but a bigger problem, and that doesn't represent, A, the country, and it doesn't represent, B, the Democratic Party. Uh, so with, with that said, it's, it's missing a lot of people of color, so forth and so on. But my bigger problem is the way that they have the caucus set up, there's so little participation. 170,000 people across the entire state that I think has a, a 2 million, has 2 million registered voters. They're doing something that that's, we should be trying to promote as many people to, to hear their voice, to cast their vote as possible, not limit it. And the caucus is overly and unnecessarily complicated for people to be able to participate. Mm-hmm. What happened to going to a booth, have a list of names, check the one you like, count them all up, add it up and see who won. And I don't know how we get so far away from that, especially as a country that has had a democracy now for almost 250 years. Like, mm-hmm. how do we how do we get voting wrong? I'm, I'm just stunned. Yeah, I uh, I what's your thoughts on uh, Governor Pritzker's suggestion that we make Illinois the number one uh, state, the first I, state out of the. I the think blocks. that'd be phenomenal. And I and and I didn't even know you said that he said that until you just told me just now. I didn't even know he said that. But again, Illinois as a state is, again, well more diverse, well more representative. Uh, there's a huge Latino population here. There's a, there's a huge population of everything, Chinese, Czech, Polish people, you name it. They're all, especially, I'm just thinking of Chicago, kind of, but again, Illinois, I think, would make a much better state than Iowa to represent, the, the, to, to give people a true pulse of where the Democratic Party is heading come election time. All right, now let's do a little Bernie talk. Uh, I've got a, a Bernie supporter. A Indeed. Bernie brother in the room. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. And a not Bernie supporter sitting right next to him. A not Bernie brother uh, in the room. 
And uh, we had a debate last night at the hideout. We had uh, Brandon Johnson, who was representing Elizabeth Warren, did a great job of representing Elizabeth Warren. And Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa did an equally great job of representing uh, Bernie Sanders. It seems to me that there's, um, what I'm about to say is I don't think that dramatic, a concerted effort by the powers that be, the not Bernie uh, brother supporters uh, in the Democratic Party, uh, to undercut Bernie every chance they can. They don't want Bernie to be the nominee. They want anybody else to be the nominee. And that is just inflaming the divide that already existed uh, between the Bernie supporters and the rest of the Democratic Party. Do you th- view the world the way I do it? Do you agree with what I just said or do you disagree with what I just said? I, I agree with it wholeheartedly because there's still unresolved feelings from 2016. Um, and, there's st- and there's still lies being perpetrated from 2016. To have Hillary Clinton come back after being in hiatus for so long and now getting this close to the election to, to begin to, to spout these views about the support she supposedly didn't get from Bernie Sanders. He caucused with her 43 times. So what, what, does he, what did she want him to do? Um, and, and so when, when she comes out and says things like, well, nobody, like, or nobody likes working with Bernie, and she suggests again that he could have done more to coalesce the party, uh, I remember being extremely upset on the night of the uh, convention where, where she was, you know, where she was basically, uh, when, once, she, once they had gotten done with California, they basically anointed her the, uh, the candidate. And it was like the very next day at the convention, uh, one of the celebrities, Sarah Silverman, was admonishing uh, the Bernie supporters to like basically get over it and it's time to get behind Hillary. I'm like, it's been one day <laughs> since we figured out yeah. that something was amiss. Yeah. And here you are admonishing us. And that, and that, that, that culture has never left. Uh, so I'm just, like I said, to, to see Hillary Clinton come out and say the things that she said after she's lost... Um, and, and, and to know that Bernie Sanders, I saw the man swallow, swallow what happened, go out there and support her the way that he did. Um, it, 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 as a Bernie supporter, it's very frustrating because, again, that's continuing in 2020. Monroe, you have to want to weigh in on this one, no? I, you know, what's really interesting to me is that if it comes down to a battle between Bernie and Bloomberg, uh, the standard bearer of the Democratic Party is not going to be a Democrat. Well, you could argue and that, that says you know that says something about well, well, what the on. party is doing or not doing. You know, it's uh, it's amazing to me. Well, let me say this: there, you know, it depends on what you call a Democrat, because by definition and by name, Joe Manchin is a Democrat, but Bernie Sanders is ten times a Democrat. Joe Manchin is. Joe Manchin, of course, being the senator from West Virginia. Good, good rebuttal. Monroe, your response. And I'm saying that based on Bernie's voting record. Mm-hmm. And Joe Manchin, by the way, has yeah. Joe Manchin decided or indicated if he's going to vote for impeachment or, uh, or acquittal? He hadn't, um, to my knowledge, driving in. Okay. You know, but they, they're, they're doing their, their speeches and what have you. And he was still on the fence mm-hmm. the last time I, I heard him. Uh, and for that matter, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican. But Joe, Joe Manchin would not um, win the uh, nomination for president of the Democrats either. So that's not a very good argument one yeah. way or the other. Now, the, the reality, the only point I'm making is that Bernie um, just became a Democrat. 
Although he voted, he voted with the Democrats, of course. And caucus with yeah, them. I mean, caucus he's, he's with not them. a Democrat. Yeah, I'll yeah, give you that. Exactly. I'll give you that. And Bloomberg was um, a Republican. Then he was an Independent. And now he's going to be a Democrat. I think he was a Democrat before he was a Republican, Bloomberg. He's been around for a while. I think yeah. he became a Republican. What was he when he was mayor of New York? He was a Republican. A Republican. He, okay. Before he... Okay, this this gets into the issue of what party ballot do you to take in uh, when there's a primary? And declare yourself. And declare yourself. Yeah. So my, neither Bernie Sanders, Mike Bloomberg, Elizabeth Warren, for that matter... Have been lifelong. I am a lifelong Democrat. I have voted Republican, I think, once in my life. I've been voting in a lot of elections. Yeah, me too. Bernie Carey. Uh, I voted for Bernie Carey, too. (laughs) (laughs) 1980s state's attorney, Richard M. Daley. I voted for Bernie Carey. And uh, I also voted for um, uh, Charles Percy for senator against Alex Seath. Good God, it's confession time. So... That's it. Yeah. I'm a Democrat. Yeah, I'm I more Democrat. Too. Yeah. yeah. I'm more Democrat than Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Michael Bloomberg. Do- and for that matter, Donald Trump was, was a, Democrat. a Democrat. So yeah. Ronald W. Reagan, the patron saint of the Republican Party, was a Democrat. People change over time. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm not shocked that the Democrats could be embracing Two people who have not been lifelong Democrats. The reality is, Monroe, uh, Donald Trump has made, that's the whole point. Donald Trump has made a lot of people right. Democrats. Right. That's your argument. Right. Um, so He made yeah, Joe was, Walsh a Democrat. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I was just making an observation. I was, it, it was, it, it's nothing that I'm concerned about that way, one way or the other. Well, I... You gonna say something that no. cut you off? I'm I'm concerned uh, that this this fight is continuing in the Democratic Party. Uh, it seems very difficult for established Democrats, establishment Democrats, just to come out and say that they will support Bernie Sanders. I don't I'll give, understand this. I'll give you an example of what frustrates you know quote unquote Bernie Bros. On Twitter, I was having a debate with a guy, and this was a month ago. A month ago. Mm-hmm. He, he had posed the question on Twitter, well, are Bernie supporters going to support whoever the eventual nominee is when he loses? And, my, and, and I said, why are we even having this conversation now? The whole conversation in question just seems premature to me because can, can we cast a vote? Can we, like this was a month ago. And, you know, again, he, why are you already surmising him not being the nominee when we haven't even cast a vote yet? Mm-hmm. So when we and so when you juxtapose that against Bernie Sanders running away with money being raised, running away with the number of donors, running away with running away in the polls. And then everybody keeps asking, are his supporters going to support whoever the nominee is? No, we, we're like, hey, we. we we just got through Iowa. We haven't had New Hampshire yet. Can we begin to see how this plays out before we begin to talk about? I'm, I'm not trying to put anybody out of the race yet. Mm-hmm. Even the people that you could reasonably have more of a case against. So, again, th- those are the things that, that frustrate me is that, you know, again, months ago, people were already trying to ask the question, are Bernie Bros going to support whoever the nominee is? And I'm like, can, can we just see who the nominee is going to be first? My opposition to Bernie is not actually uh, – the last election, I love that he pushed Hillary uh, away from the center and more to the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, my opposition is I don't believe he can win. I was worried about that. Um, Electability. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Be- because what's going to happen, I predicted um, when he lost to Hillary, was had he won, the Republicans would have plastered every TV ad with a hammer and sickle, calling him a communist. Um, where now that he's, he's um, a front runner, basically, right now, he's, he's the front runner. Now that he's the front runner, Trump has already called him a communist. Mm-hmm. They're beginning this business already. Yeah. And um, I, that's going to kill him. I agree with you that Trump is, I mean, he's, he's obviously taking a note of Bernie. He's been tweeting about him recently. Even in the State of the Union address, he was passively talking about yeah, the Bernie communists. Sanders. Right. The communists. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So right. You, you are absolutely right with that. And I, was, and I was really stunned, by the way, when he said, we're going to always have American health care. And I was like, what? You yeah. have American health care. <laughs> what, what is American well, health care? And said, that people that, were that clapping. was nuts. Right. And that people were clapping for that. <laughs> okay. So here's, here we get to it, uh, Tiba. And, and this picks up with what Monroe was saying. If Bernie Sanders is the nominee, Bernie Sanders represents, we all know, uh, health care for all. Mm-hmm. Right. That's his been his issue since the moment he launched his campaign, his first presidential campaign. He's basically been running since 2015. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Continuously. Continuously. All right. So uh, that's been his number one issue. Donald Trump decided last night he he unveiled the Republicans opposition to Bernie Sanders. Really, he's going to use this argument no matter who right. is the Democratic nominee. So let's right. not kid ourselves. Okay. All right. So wait. See, he said, so we I will do everything I can to prevent America from having socialist medicine. And the Republicans cheered. And I'm look, I'm thinking, do you, does America realize that Donald Trump is right now has his uh, lawyers in court trying to destroy the uh, what we have with Obamacare so pre-existing conditions pre-existing right. conditions so do you think that if it comes down between a decision between quote unquote socialistic medicine or even communistic medicine Americans would choose no health care over communist health care what do you think 40% will yeah Forty, you know, forty, <laughs> forty. Except for in Monroe's universe and the state of Iowa, sixty percent is more than forty percent. Okay, I, I can do. Wait, homie, do the math. Yeah, sixty percent is still more than forty percent. So I. So in other words, you think it's a losing. Donald Trump. I, I think healthcare is a losing argument, and that's not my opinion. We we saw that evidence. Losing argument for the Republicans. For the Republicans, yeah, we right, saw right. that evidenced in and the 2018 exactly, midterms. Exactly. We already know that it is. No, you know this is this is what I I think there, there are many ironies that we face, but this is one of the greatest ones as far as I'm concerned, is that the Republicans are, are beginning to scream the communism. They don't like socialism, but their main man is in bed with a former KGB <laughs> operative. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And don't forget Charlottesville. <laughs> yeah. He likes the Nazis. They're very fine people. Right. Yeah. But he doesn't like communists. Which one is it? Right. Make up your mind. Yeah. Are they very fine people or not? So Well, and again, his and, and that 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 hypocrisy is completely lost upon his cult followers. Right. Well, his defenders would say He's transactional. Yeah, he's very transactional. Indeed. So, uh, so when you watch the spectacle of last night's speech, uh, Monroe and I talked a little a little bit about this already. But when you watch that spectacle <coughs> of last night's speech, what did you think the impact was on the electorate? Wow, um, he further divided the country. 
And that was, I mean, at this point, that's the whole purpose of the speech. Uh, I think the biggest problem I had with, with the, the majority of what he said or implied was him taking so much credit for the economy. Um, two, two parts with the economy that really bothered me. One, you know, for, for him to just completely uh, disown what Barack Obama had done for eight years prior to him stepping into it and then him, him mischaracterizing the state of the economy when he took it over. Uh, those two things, those things bother me immensely. And the other thing that bothers me with the economy, even more than that, is is the way that he characterizes how well it is. Because, yep, yeah, young people are working, and it, but still young people can't afford to move out of their parents' house, even with a college degree. People are still working two and three jobs just to make ends meet. People don't have benefits. Half the country doesn't have retirement, anything in retirement. I mean, though, so when you so when he says those things and, and his base eats that up, that, that really concerns me because his long game and the Republican long game is so much more damaging. I mean, he said with a straight face last night, we are going to take care of your Medicare and your Medicaid. And that is a ball faced lie. Right. And there were many of those. Right. And, and the, 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 the other factor in this, as he brags about his great economy. The reason he has this great economy is because he's running up a debt. Exactly. Yeah, the debt and deficits. Is, yeah, right. That are just yeah. Yeah, right. otherworldly. And I, and I remember, while Barack, and the next time we, go, we hear about debt and deficit is when there's going to be a Democrat in the White House. Oh, yeah. Then all of that conversation is going to come back. We can't be leaving this debt for our grandchildren and their children. Because yeah. uh, that's all I heard during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. But I haven't heard anything about debt and deficits in three years. Well. Atiba, when the, in the Republican view of the world, a debt and deficit exist only when uh, that money is being allocated for social programs to help the many. Yep. If you have a debt and deficit because uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans passed a massive tax cut for the wealthiest people at the same time they're spending 700 plus billion dollars a year on military military that's not a debt or deficit do you follow what i'm saying it's only a debt or deficit if they can somehow or other blame food stamps foods food stamps did you hear did you hear the applause when he talked about and that was the other mischaracterization for him to talk about the number of people that are off food stamps his implication was that so many people have been uplifted through the economy that they don't need food stamps anymore when really the reason there's less people on food stamps because he kicked them off yeah, and they're they're hungry, right? <laughs> exactly. Let's not forget that. Right. Like that is the most important thing. So again, I'm I'm stunned at 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 the way he was at, at what he presented, and that people were willing to absorb that. Especially all those politicians. I mean, just just shame on them. It, it's it's a shame. And and kudos to to the Democrats for holding their ground, and kudos to Nancy Pelosi. Oh, your thoughts on Nancy uh, ripping up the uh, speech? Nancy was that was that was unlike her. I thought um, usually she does things that are way more subtle and you got to like she did the little hand clap the year before I think it was and it's like okay what does she really mean by that but that was kind of overt <laughs> for her and I was well I was surprised yeah I mean but, but during the speech in general because he was telling so many lies yeah that she was shaking her head at, at some point now she, it was a subtle shake it was like yeah because like she's that, right behind him so she exactly, couldn't be you know like, but she couldn't be <laughs> right <laughs> 
But oh my God, like that, that was. But I will say this. Yeah. I, I'm ready for I'm ready for action. I'm ready for the, for the Democrats to get it right. I'm tired of you know these these uh these grand or or just the, these things that we do for show like the hand clap like the ripping that's fine but that doesn't change kids being locked in cages that's fine but that doesn't change you know the number of people hundreds of thousands of people getting kicked off of food stamps we need to win right and and this is why i'm intrigued by bloomberg i'm not sure if i like him or not yet but the thing is he is a a new yorker and He's going to take the gloves off and put the brass knuckles on and go up against Trump. Well, so is Bernie, but whatever. Let me, yeah. Yeah, let me say this <laughs> yeah. with you. You're going to yeah. surprise you. Yeah. I agree with you yeah. on Bloomberg. Yeah. Because, and, and this, is, this is my thing. I, I'm going to say this and I'm done. The reason I could, I could get behind Bloomberg is not because, it has none, and the reason I'm behind Bernie has nothing to do with the, the people. It's about their policies. Right. Bloomberg, I know, day one he gets in office, he is going to do everything he can to fight the NRA. We know this. Right. He is going to do that. Right. With Biden, my, my main issue with him, it's not that I dislike him personally. It's, 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 and I can even forgive some of the things that on a policy level he's voted for and approved that I don't like. My bigger problem with him is I don't know, cannot name the policy initiative I know he's going to champion on day one. Can't name it. And I haven't seen anybody else who can. My, my problem with Biden... You know, and I've tried, I, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. But the way he's handled Trump uh, attacking his son. Great point. Um, he should have been fighting back every which way yeah. on that. And he should have dragged the Trump children in it. You know, what they're doing is much worse than what Hunter did and you know and he's, preach, he, preach. He's, doing, he's trying to he's being this gentleman about it and everything and you know it, there's sometimes you just have to get it on and 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 to do that that wouldn't have been muddying anything he would have, he would have only been telling the truth right exactly I mean, exactly <laughs> that's the difference like they're lying about hunter i mean or they again they're lying about hunter biden and there's truth about what Ivanka and Jared in particular are doing. Mm -hmm. Ivanka is just off the charts between the trademarks in China and everything else that she's doing. Uh, and just their and lack Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia. Thank you. So, yeah. like, they have the truth on their side. Uh, I agree with you. I hadn't thought about that much. But, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Oh. He should have been fighting much, much harder. All right. Going back to Joe Biden, I'm doing raw votes from Iowa, okay? Yeah. Just mm -hmm. real numbers right. as opposed to Iowa Democratic numbers. Bernie in first place with 34, Buttigieg in second place with 33, Warren in third place with 26, Joe Biden in fourth place with 17,623 votes. Joe Biden's campaign is through. Joe Biden got fourth place Monroe in Iowa. There, if I'll say this a million times, if you're a centrist, there are stronger candidates than Joe Biden. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why the centrist, the only thing that could possibly prop up Joe Biden is South are, the, Carolina. Are, are black voters in South Carolina right. who still appreciate Joe Biden for being Barack Obama's wingman. Right. Thank you for saying that. Right. That's because that's the, I've, I have racked my brain and I, and I was like, why is this black support so strong? And it just has to be because 
black people saw him as somebody that was loyal to Barack Obama at a time that Barack Obama was just receipt, you know, had all this incoming vile and spew coming at him. And I'll give Joe Biden credit. He stood by him. And I, that has to be it. Because I can't think of anything policy related that would support such loyalty. I, I don't understand it. That, that is it. I, I mean, I've had so many conversations with people. That is it. Well, you know, Biden was Obama's guy. I've had that conversation a million times, Atiba. And there was a very interesting uh, uh, essay. I urge everybody to check it out if you're into Biden and Obama allure. Uh, Henry Louis Gates, who is the, the professor of literature at Harvard, who had the run-in, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you remember this, with the police officer in Cambridge. Yeah, he's a history. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's, it's history, history yeah. literature, but whatever. Yeah. I, I go with literature. We'll make a bet for lunch, and then we'll go to have lunch anyway. All right. Anyway, whatever he is, he's a Harvard professor, a very distinguished professor. And he was a gentleman who had the run-in with the Cambridge police officer and uh, led to a war words and, and Obama. The Beer, the the beer, beer Summit. summit. Yeah. And um, so Henry Louis Gates did an interview, very interesting interview in the New York Times, where he talked about the Beer Summit and the role Biden played in it. And what he said was effectively, Biden was the white guy they needed in that summit to balance it because you couldn't have yeah. a summit with yeah. two black guys and a white guy. Because right. right. the cop right. from Cambridge was white. Right. Okay, the black guy is the president yeah. of the United States, right. whatever. So, you know, they had to bring a white guy in, they brought in. Well, that's, you know, that's the problem with America right now is that you could be a president and still not have the power and the if you're black and, right. and, and, of, of a white president. You can be a black president. You are nearly but, as powerful or anything else. But that's the role Biden has, has played, and some people appreciate it, but I think it's over. Uh, Atiba, when you get that kind of turnout in Iowa that I just uh, yeah, and you know, And you know what makes that particularly egregious? He wasn't at the impeachment inquiry. He wasn't in, in Washington trying to vote. He had all that time to campaign, do whatever he wanted to do in Iowa, and to come up forth against, you know, behind Sanders and Warren in particular, who has spent the past couple of weeks in Washington. That's that's atrocious for him. So, but and nobody expected him to do all that. I think I take that back though. He he was leading in Iowa for a little while, right? A few yeah, months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he, he was showing. I don't right. know if he was le leading. Well, everything because he never put a he, he he didn't put a lot of effort into, into it initially. A, everything and then is, they decided he should. You yeah, know, it's he's been back. Everything is suspect when it comes to Iowa numbers because apparently in Iowa, uh, thirty three is more than thirty four. So. And, here, and here's his bigger problem <laughs> because we're talking about these votes. His bigger problem is money. Yeah. Well, that okay. That gets back to Bloomberg. Now, uh, we we're, we're talking about Bloomberg. I've uh, you know my position is that he should be the the candidate of the centrists. That's your guy. He's got the money uh, to run, really go after Trump, which leads me to his uh, opening commercial in the Super his commercial in the Super Bowl, which I don't know if you saw it. You alluded to it. It, it accentuated his opposition uh, to the gun culture in this country, his willingness to defy the NRA. I thought it was an interesting commercial to lead with. Uh, at, at the Super Bowl. At the Super Bowl. With a bunch of beer drinking, gun hugging Which opens up with jets, bo bo bomber jets flying over the, the, the stadium. Right. But I looked at it, I thought about it, I looked at it this way. TB, get your thoughts on this, Monroe, as well. It was his way of going after, like, the proverbial uh, Democratic suburbanite voter 
who mm-hmm. is um, believes in gun control, uh, believes in a, like a woman's right to choose, uh, believes in you know some kind of uh, environmental regulations, maybe not going too far. In other words, your your typical suburban centrist, but has some hardcore views, and that was his way of winning them over and identifying himself as someone they could trust. That was his pitch mm-hmm. for that. That I mean, because you're right, it makes no sense if you're trying to win over Trump voters, right. uh, particularly in the Super Bowl setting, right. uh, but well, it's and, his way of establishing credibility. With, and the other thing is um, he didn't miss the $5 million for the commercial. He what, that He didn't miss the $5 oh, yeah, million no, 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 for yeah. the commercial. The, 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 <laughs> the money is irrelevant. Right, exactly, you know? right. uh, so what's your thoughts on that? I think that's a great strategy. Um, I think we spend far too much time trying to, when I say we, I mean the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. um, spending time trying to woo over working class um, voters or whatever, you know, white working class voters. When those people, we have to come to a conclusion, they're not going to vote for you. And so the question becomes, how do you expand your base? How do you win over independence? That's the only two questions we need to be asking. How do we excite the people that, that were excited in 2008 and in 2012. Mm-hmm. That's the only recipe we need to be trying to replicate because those are the winning recipes. Barack Obama won both of his elections by complete and utter landslides. And because that, that was because more people voted mm-hmm. because they were excited. And that's, that's, again, my issue with Biden is where's all this excitement supposed to come from for this candidate? Right. Did, did, did you see that campaign button for Biden that said, no. he'll do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the strategy. It is not to win over folks in the backwoods of what the, they're not going to vote for you. Mm-hmm. They, they, will, they would rather not have health care than have health care for all. They'd rather, they'd rather go bankrupt and die than to see some what they would consider uh, illegal person be able to a- access a benefit here in the United States. L- let them be. But there are a bunch of reasonable independents that you can swing over your way, and you can certainly expand the base of the party so that you get the turnout you need. We're going to be, because here's the other thing that we're not talking about. We can't forget, Donald Trump is going to cheat. He's made it clear. He told George Papadopoulos, yes, I cheat with a foreign power. He just did it and got impeached for it, and he's going to do it again. We also have voter suppression. So we have a Republican Party that will do anything mm-hmm. to stay in power. And the only way that we're going to beat them is, is, is just have a, mass, uh, a turnout so massive that it, that it just quells whatever they're trying to, whatever they're trying to do to right. cheat to win. Right. All right. Well, now that brings me to this point. Last night at the hideout, we had the debate. I already mentioned it. And uh, Brandon Johnson was there, Cook County Board Commissioner Brandon Johnson, who represents a district that goes from the west side of Chicago into the western suburbs. Got a lot of votes out of Oak Park. Uh, Chicago teacher union official. Anyway, he was there representing Elizabeth Warren. Uh, but in the course of the conversation, uh, he made a very uh, important point. And, and he said that when he's, spe- he's speaking about his community, and by that he meant the black community, he said there's a lot of indifference out there. You cannot right. overestimate that, that there's a sense that the uh, political system has not worked for black people. There's a sense that there's no real reason to vote, that it doesn't work for you. They don't come through in their promises for you. It's just, what's the point? And, and that, I'm uh, paraphrasing what he was yeah. saying, uh, is a, 
is is very disparaging, uh, very difficult to, message to take if you want Trump to lose, because it's absolutely key uh, that there be a big turnout from the black neighborhoods in the black precincts in Chicago and Milwaukee and Detroit and Philadelphia, et cetera. Atiba, what's your read of this right now? I agree with him that there is a lot of apathy and indifference. And the only way you're going to overcome that is well, with a combination of the right candidate and the right message. Um, and that's why, again, I'm, I'm with Bernie Sanders. It's not him per se, but when you talk about uh, you know, free college, uh, free state college, when you talk about student loan cancellation, when you talk about free health care, um, and I hate to use the word free, but, you know, universal health care, I think mm-hmm. is a better way to put it. When you talk about those things, those are not those are not laws that are specifically designed for black people, but black people would immensely benefit from having their student loans canceled, from being able to access health care. And if you can if you can get a winning message like that out, that that will help get people more excited but that to me that's that's really what it comes down to is getting the right policies and getting the right messenger out there uh to get that to get that population voting again because again that's that's how democrat republicans win when we don't vote so when we in the united states again the place that almost invented voting to have such a, a poor uh showing of of part- voter participation that we have as a nation mm-hmm. that's how republicans win that's how Barack Obama won yeah. because we get, we broke that trend for two, two administrations in a row. Delmarie Cobb has entered the studio. Delmarie Cobb has entered the studio. Talk about Chicago legends. She's right there in the studio. She's getting fired up. I know she's got a lot to say about politics, uh, but I'm going to leave you gentlemen with this question, which will lead uh, right into the Delmarie Cobb segment. So pay attention, Delmarie, what I'm about to ask. In my humble opinion, if the Democrats are going to beat Donald John Trump, we know uh, we know probably that well, we know that the nominee will be uh, a white person and most most likely it'll be a white male. They absolutely positively have to have a black woman on the ticket as the vice presidential running mate. Do you agree with me at Buchanan? No, not necessarily. Uh, I've, I've imagined a couple of dream tickets. People have talked about Biden and Harris, which I think is a great ticket. Uh, if Bernie Sanders were the nominee, I'd, I'd love to see him tap either Kamala Harris or Cory Booker. I think either one of those candidates would, would be a great vice presidential pick for him. Monroe? Um, if it's Biden, he definitely needs a black woman. But I, I, I can't imagine any of them not having a black person in this next election. I just can't. I mean, and, and expecting to win. So it, let's go through it if it's... Um, if, if it's Mayor Pete, then who is it, um, Kamala, or is it um, Mayor Pete's not going to be the nominee? I'm just going to put that out there right uh, now. I, okay, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that, okay. But I'm not going to like because, because like I, I said, it's it's too soon. It's it, right now to 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 really figure this one what out. What was he at in South Carolina? Did you say two percent among black voters? Yeah. Okay. But but uh, Mayor Pete's not going to be the nominee. He, he he's he's using the um, Obama playbook. I mean, he really is. He's he's trying that now. Whether it works or not, I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll know within a couple of weeks. The part of the Obama playbook that he's missing is the part where you 
you reach out to black voters. <laughs> that's the part of the Obama plan. Oh, that's not hey, how to get white people to vote for you. Got that. How to get people and I get that in rural Iowa. I got that. How to get old white people. They love me. Huh. No black people in this playbook. <laughs> you can't win if you don't get black people to vote for you. That's all. Yeah, no, Renee Ferguson was telling me that uh, he he has a lot of Obama people working for him, but it's the Obama people that don't know how to talk to black folks. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's skip that. Let's skip yeah, that. Okay. No, I, let's, I let, let's do Bloomberg. Okay, so if it's Bloomberg, needs a black woman. He needs a black woman. Absolutely needs. And he's got to be smart enough to know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has to be smart enough to know that. Uh, And there's tons of possible great candidates out there that could fit the bill, in my humble opinion. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and if he picks the right one, that solves that enthusiasm problem. Yeah. But, but but we have the strategist, the, the the pro over here. So so you got you got to get her in the, this conversation. We will bring Del Marie Cobb on. She's ready to go. She she is We've got a lot of what she wants to say. I can see it already. Atiba, one more time, tell folks where they can hear your show on uh, WVON. Go absolutely. The Buchanan and Seton show. We air Friday nights nine to midnight. WVON AM sixteen ninety. Any right. plans? Uh, any ideas? What you're going to be talking about? I mean, obviously, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, certainly. Uh, well, it, our first hour is always presidential politics, so we always go with that. Um, and honestly, we haven't developed the last two hours yet. If my producer has, he hasn't told me. Mm. Well, uh, it's, if folks know, I've, I have a. But oh, I'm sorry. If I if I could just add this, mm. what we will be asking this this week is, does the Trump economy work? So we'll be challenging a lot of the, um, the a lot of the things that Trump said about his economy. Uh, and is it working for Americans? And we'll, we'll dissect that this week. So, yeah, that, that's definitely what we'll be talking Friday about. Friday night, 9 yep. until midnight. Awesome. David Seaton and Atiba Buchanan. David is more of the Biden side of the Democratic Party. Establishment. And Atiba is more of the Bernie side of the Democratic Party. So it's an interesting combination. And Monroe Anderson, every Wednesday on the show, uh, and he is he's really feeling that inner Bernie uh I'm, I'm going to over. say bro anymore, but the inner Bernie in him is coming out. I see. Yeah, you, I'm going to win him over. You're going to win yeah, him over. Good you, luck with that. You two are still Bernie bros to me. <laughs> We're not allowed to use that term anymore. All right. Very good. Thank you, Atiba. Thank you, Monroe. Got Thank Del you, Marie sir. Cobb on deck. We'll bring her on when we return. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live 
from the Chicago Sun-Times. Political strategist Delmarie Cobbs in the studio. Before we bring her on, D, you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. We've been playing this all day throughout the show. Let's listen to it again, huh? What do you say, Ben? Uh, how about that Mayor Pete? Uh, it's, uh, it, well, I don't know what to call it other than a victory and huh. a humbling one uh, when you think about where we began. Does the <clears throat> messy way that this has rolled out does this rob you of momentum that you might otherwise have coming out of Iowa, heading into New Hampshire, where we are now? Well, the, the single best piece of news our campaign got since we got into this race, it of course would have been nice to have gotten it yesterday, but uh, I also think uh, at the end of the day, this is about the road ahead. We have now been able to settle a lot of questions about uh, what kind of organization we could put together and whether we could uh, uh, reach uh, caucus goers, voters in many different kinds of places. But so much depends on, on what comes next. we got to make sure that we have a fundraising surge. It's why uh, I'm always asking folks to go to peteforamerica.com and chip in. we got to make sure that we have the right game plan and organizing game. Part of how we did this uh, was the outreach that organizers were doing to get to know people. we got to be ready to do that and more than anything else continue to reach out with that message to some folks who may only now be turning into the, tuning into the process. People who- Look for Ben Jarofsky at the next Mayor Pete rally. <laughs> Not likely. All right. And also, too, yeah. uh, we're, we're getting there, Ben. Now we've learned that uh, we don't say Bernie bros. Yeah. No, All right. Not allowed to say that. All right. right. So Steve, now, you were right. Now, okay. So we're getting there. And now uh, we're saying, uh, what was it? Bernie brother? Nah, I don't well, think we should be saying that, that either. Tiba said he's a Bernie brother. Okay. So Tiba can say it. I'm not saying yeah, it. Yeah, you and me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's it. All right. Very good. All right. Delmarie well, Cobb. I'm not a Bernie sister. What's that? I'm not a Bernie sister. <laughs> or you mean a, a, a Sanders sister. You want that alliteration. Uh, we had uh, Jeanette uh, Taylor in the studio, and she is uh, a Sanders sister, and she was proclaiming it to the world. Is she your alderman, or is she south of you? No, she's in the 20th Ward. And she's south of you. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, I'm, third I'm in ward? the fourth Ward. Fourth Ward. Mm-hmm. Or your fourth Ward. Sophia Used All to right. be the second Ward. Used to be to, the second. To the second ward, stop being a black ward. That's correct. And then they made this second ward an aberration. And that it goes all the way. Here's the most famous black political and economic ward in the country. In the country. When you look at all the black people who came out of the second ward, including the very first alderman in 1915, Oscar DePriest, and now it's no longer a black ward. Yeah. Well, that's because the uh, economic and planning policies of the the city of Chicago for the last 20 years has been to c- encourage black people to leave Chicago. Exactly. Okay. All right. We'll leave that alone for the moment, <laughs> Delmarie. We'll avoid that issue. And uh, you were listening, uh, Delmarie Cobb, ladies and gentlemen, political strategist uh, in the city of Chicago. And I should say, I put this out here right now, a very close ally of Hillary Clinton. So Hillary's been getting uh, ripped on this show, uh, Delmarie. I should say that uh, for some of her Bernie comments, but bef- avoiding the Hillary uh, issue for the moment, um, you were listening to Mayor Pete's post-election comments that Dennis just played, and you were I could see you wanted to say something, so say what it was that you wanted to say. Well, you know, it was interesting. There was a, um, I don't know if it was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or if it was on uh, Colbert show, uh, but They interviewed a voter uh, after she had caucused, Mm -hmm. and she found out that he had a same-sex partner. And she was like, what? And this is an older white woman. She's like, what? What are you saying? Can I? He's married? And, And so the reporter goes on to explain. She says, well, why isn't that common knowledge? And the woman says, well, it is common knowledge. And she says, can I have my vote back? 
This is this was not comedy. This no, was no, this was a serious voter. And so I'm saying that the people in Iowa didn't even know anything about Pete Buttigieg. They were just voting for somebody who I guess they thought was young and wasn't the same establishment, same old establishment, but obviously did not know anything about him. So do you think what uh, went down in Iowa on Monday uh, is a Pete Buttigieg triumph the way he's presenting it? No, it's an aberration. Is what it is. Explain. No, I mean, it's an aberration. First of all, you've got an all-white community. That's the first thing, which is crazy, that that should set the momentum for the rest of the country when it's not even reflective of the rest of the country. Um, and, And then you have people who, after they've spent a year down there, a year in Iowa, and you don't know who the candidates are, you don't know anything about them, what were you doing? (laughs) <laughs> for a year. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, you know, um, I got to tell you this, Adamari. I try not to be dismissive or make fun of the voters. Uh, you know, they, they're they're the voters, okay? Uh, and I've been on the losing side of many more elections in Chicago than I've been on the winning side in terms of who I voted for, all right? I've lost every mayoral election from 1987 until 2000. I voted for Lori Lightfoot, okay. So I'm not always in tune with the voters, but I'll tell you this one time, a story, an anecdote that brings it home and no names will be uh, mentioned. Uh, A person was watching uh, Joe Biden give a speech at, I believe it was the 2012 Democratic Convention uh, and said, is that the person that Obama's running against? <laughs> that person's vote counts as much as your vote, my vote, and Dennis's vote. You get what I'm saying? Don't yeah, worry, Kyle. And that's why our candidates don't win. <laughs> What do you mean by that? Because we know what we're talking about when we vote. And so that's why we're voting for people who we think are reflective of our values. The majority of people don't know what they're talking about when they vote. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, whatever their touchstones are, Mm -hmm. I don't know what they are sometimes. uh, That's why they're voting. And those are the people who win. I mean, I can count on one hand. I've never had a presidential candidate. I don't think ever win. Um, until they became the nominee. Mm. But in the primary, I don't think I've had an, uh, ever had a presidential candidate to become the nominee. Uh, I'm trying to think about except, that. Oh, that's right. You were with uh, Hillary Clinton ex- in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Except Hillary, and she was the nominee, but she didn't become the president. But she won the election. I oh, stand yes, we by, know that. I stand by that. And, that and I was she just, won the election against Bernie, too, and, in the primary when she got four, four million more votes than him. Well, I was just dueling with Monroe, uh, who really does not like Bernie. Uh, and I was pointing out, I'm a Bernie supporter. I put that out there right now. I have my list. <laughs> and Bernie's number one on the list. Elizabeth Warren, number two. And number three, well, is, is Yang still in the race? All right, Yang is third. Uh, but uh, I pointed out that Bernie, like Hillary got more votes in Iowa. He got more votes than Pete Buttigieg. And yet, 
by the arcane rules that govern the process in the state of Iowa, Pete Buttigieg has emerged as the quote-unquote winner. I find this utterly insane, Delmarie, and I don't believe we really have a true democracy when the loser is the winner. And I felt that way very strongly with Hillary Clinton in 2006. I still feel, when I see Donald Trump give the State of the Union speech and proclaim himself the champion of America, I'm like, it really galls me that I know and America knows he lost the 2016 election. Well, I agree 100%. And I could go off on this and easily about Hillary and her winning and still losing because 2016 wasn't the first time. But I'm not going to go into that, and we're not going to relitigate. All right, let's not relitigate. Well, (laughs) I think the Democrats should relitigate it. I think the Democrats should uh, take a stand against Electoral College. They've lost twice in this century uh, on it, and they're probably going to do a third time. If there's a chance it could happen a third time, because I don't think Donald Trump is going to win a majority of the vote uh, in this upcoming And if we don't come out the way we need to come out, no. If there's not that kind of enthusiasm, the enthusiasm has to be. And believe me, if it's Bernie Sanders— I certainly will vote for him as the nominee, holding my nose. But I will vote for him because he's the nominee. Because last thing I want to do is contribute to Donald Trump winning. All right, let me ask you this before we move away from the Bernie question, and then we'll go to the centrist question, uh, the centrist issue in the Democratic Party. I've been, uh, uh, my opinion, and let's get your thoughts on this, that the centrist of the Democratic Party should drop their dream of Joe Biden. That is... One thing that became apparent to me in Iowa, that campaign's going nowhere. They should drop their dream of Pete Buttigieg. He doesn't have any black support. I don't know how you can win an election in a Democratic primary without black support. Never been done before in the history. Uh, Well, maybe in 1988, uh, but that would have been the only time. Uh, So, and they should rally around Mike Bloomberg. The guy's got so much money, he could really give Trump a run for his money. So if you're a centrist, I don't understand why you're not supporting Michael Bloomberg. It's it's so funny. Somebody told me a a story the other day about a reporter said to Mike Bloomberg, oh, so what are we going to have, two billionaires in the race? And Bloomberg said, who's the other one? (laughs) (laughs) He's trash talking. And you know that gets to Trump. I know. know, That gets to Trump. And that's what I want to (laughs) see. So what's your thoughts about that, Bloomberg as the centrist candidate? Well, he may very well be. I'm certainly not counting him out. He has the money to definitely get there. And if you spend enough money on the air uh, all over the country, you're going to raise your numbers. And he's raising his numbers. And so I've... I do. I'm not discounting him by any means. And what's your sense of what the black vote would go uh, if Bloomberg's in the race? Uh, he, of course, was uh, uh, the supporter of stop and frisk in the city of New York, big supporter of charter schools, etc. What's your sense of how the black vote will go for Bloomberg? Well, you see him uh, making. He's on a mayor couple tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's word for Pritzker. Right, he's got he, <laughs> he's got enough money to be on a mayor couple tour. He's enough. He's smart enough mm-hmm. to know that he needs to be on one. Unlike Pete Buttigieg, who's not smart enough to understand that he needs black people. Uh, and uh, well put. Uh, and your thoughts about the running mate? I I actually I been saying this for a while i do believe that it's if it's bernie sanders as a nominee absolutely has to have a black woman if it's michael bloomberg 
absolutely has to have a, 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 a black woman. And if somehow or other Joe Biden miraculously emerges from Iowa to be the candidate, he absolutely has to have a black woman. Your thoughts? Well, black people are not tripping over Bernie Sanders either. So, um, yes, they have to have a black woman as far as I'm concerned. Because, and, and given that I have a pack that's pro-African-American women, uh, elected officials, of course I want to see a black woman. Uh, we've had a black man in the White House. We've not had a black woman. So if you're going to do something, do something different. And given that black women turn out at 94 to 98% at every election, it is about time that you pay homage to the fact that the most loyal base of the Democratic Party is black women. Do you have any candidates that you would like to put out there right now? Any names that you think the Democrats should seriously consider? Well, the uh, in terms of uh, uh, running mates? Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, Kamala, certainly she, she was in it. And since she was in it, she raised her profile. Um, I mean, there are others. I would rather see Stacey, at, uh, Stacey um, uh, Abrams mm -hmm. uh, remain a candidate for governor. I think, you know, I would love to see her do that. She came close last time, and I would like to see her stay and run for governor of Georgia again and actually win, because I think that's historic in and of itself on another level, uh, given the history of Georgia and black people. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I mean, there there's certainly enough uh, African-American women across the country who are more than qualified to be running mates. And um, I think any one of them, if, uh, if they become the vice president, they certainly will help to energize the base mm -hmm. for the Democrats. And right now, we've got to think in terms of what's going to energize the base and make them turn out. And what, what do you think will energize the base and make them turn out? Is it, is it, does it go beyond uh, a uh, vice presidential candidate? Well, the issue should be enough to make you turn out. Donald Trump should be enough to make you turn out. But unfortunately, uh, and you've heard me say this before, uh, Ben, that the most effective weapon the Republicans have, and they're excellent at it, is voter oppression and negative campaigning. And negative campaigning stops African Americans from turning out to vote. Because we just go, oh well, you know, it, it, it's, it's all the same. And so I'm not even gonna bother. I'm sick of it, it's messy, it's dirty, the, all of them corrupt, they don't, none of them care about me, and then we don't go anywhere. And that's, you know, that's the worst thing we could do. But it's what happens, so we, I mean, we gotta be a real, realistic. And what the Democrats keep uh, failing to understand, when I had this argument when with Hillary's uh, people in 2016 about the le enthusiasm level. And I said, they, you know, the thought is, for some reason, well, we have nowhere else to go. So black people ain't got nowhere else to go. So you got to vote for us. And I'm like, yeah, but we won't go anywhere. <laughs> Do you right, understand? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, by the way, it's the same absolute argument that works for Bernie supporters as well. And, and I've, I've, made this point many times. The assumption is that the, with the left wing of the Democratic Party has no choice but to follow the nominee, no matter how much of a moderate or centrist that nominee is. And I go, yeah, they have a choice. They're not, they could sit at home. But see, that's where I have the problem. Go. Uh, because, and, and I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, but, you know, I was there for 
Jesse Jackson in 1988. I was his national traveling press secretary. I sat there when his delegates wanted him to take the fight to the floor to become the vice presidential nominee. They were adamant. Let's take this to the floor. And he got all of his delegates in a room and he said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to support the nominee, but we're going to get some things ourselves. And he's the reason 20 years later there was a Barack Obama, because he changed the rules from winner take all, Mm -hmm. which is what it was, Mm -hmm. to a plurality of the vote. And that's how he, that was what one of the things he did that made it possible for Barack Obama to win 20 years later. Mm-hmm. The, the, I was also in the room in 2008 when neither Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton had enough delegates to be the nominee. And Hillary brought us all in the room and said to us, and I was a delegate, and said to us, we have to support Barack Obama. And her people were like, ah. <laughs> they, and uh, by the way, uh, a good portion, I can't remember the exact number. I've read, uh, there's been studies of this, a good portion of Hillary's uh, supporters in 2016, uh, 20, in 2008, uh, either voted for John McCain or did not vote at all. There, I could send you the study on that one. In other words, yes, uh, you were pragmatic uh, and Hillary was pragmatic. Uh, but not all Hillary supporters. And I remember in particular having a vehement argument. I wrote about it for the reader. Oh, my God. With this diehard Hillary supporter, who's a man, by the way. I'll just throw that out there. Loved Hillary to death. And he told me there is no way I'm voting for Bar- I'm voting for John McCain because Barack Obama is a product of the Chicago Democratic machine. And he was just going on and on. And there I was in the parking lot of a CVS drugstore <laughs> on the north side of Chicago trying to on a phone arguing. So there was that. But the thing is, she did it. The thing is, she did what she was supposed to do. The thing is, Jesse Jackson did what he was supposed to do. Bernie did not. Well, Bernie did support. Uh, he did go on the campaign trail hard for Hillary in October. I remember him uh, campaigning with Hillary on stage in uh, Iowa, in North Carolina. I remember the write-ups. I remember Hillary saying nice things about, thank you, Senator Sanders. And when was the convention in August? July. No, July, because yeah. it was on my birthday. It was so July. So it was July. So October, November's the election. You had since July, but it took you that long to come out the bathroom from pouting. Okay. You were pouting. All right. Okay. Uh, by the way, let's go back in time. We'll leave that one alone, all right? Which is you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree on that one. Let's go back in time to 1988. Let's just take your example. What if Jesse Jackson, Jesse Lewis Jackson, had listened to his delegates? Now, 1988 was Mike Dukakis was the nominee. Mm-hmm, right. Okay. I did not vote for him, just for the record. <laughs> Voted for Jesse Lewis Jackson. Uh, and his running mate, I can't believe I remember this, was Lloyd Benston. Am I correct? Benson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benson. Okay, mm-hmm. excuse me. A uh, uh, An older white guy. From Texas. From Texas. Mm-hmm. A senator. Mm-hmm. What if Dukakis had said, no, I'm going to pick Jesse Jackson. <laughs> I can't believe I'm even saying right. this. It's so fantastical, Delmarie. Uh, Democrats were f- losing their mind in 1984 mm-hmm. and 88 that Jackson was even in a race. Right. What, if, what, what do you think the outcome well, would Mike, have been? Mike Dukakis would have been the president because black people would have turned out in droves. 
and white people would have too, because at that time, if you remember 1988 and his speech, and the fact that he had been with the farmers, uh, uh, you know, at the at, in Washington, he had. I mean, he stood with them when nobody else was standing with them. I mean, we were on the campaign trail. I'll tell you about my first day. This is this. So the first day I joined the campaign was here in Chicago. They were doing a union rally at one of the hotels. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we got on the plane, and our first stop was Texas. And we get to this stadium, and we're late, of course, and so there's only a few people left. We were told it had been filled, and now there's only a few people left. So this guy comes up to Jackson before he walks into the stadium, and it's so funny to even say this now, because especially since uh, uh, these uh, Paul Bunyan, uh, all these men are looking like Paul Bunyans with these beards now, but at that time, he looked like Paul Bunyan, and you wouldn't have wanted to see him a night. Mm-hmm. And he, he waited for, especially as a black person, and he waited for Jesse Jackson and said, oh, man, you know, I just had to come say something to you. He said, because I was with you, you know, uh, in Selma. And so Jackson was like, oh, you were? He said, oh, thank you, brother. He said, no, no, no. I was on the other side. I was stopping you. And now I'm here with you. That was the first, my first day on the campaign. I was in tears. I'm telling you, it was a different time. He could have done it. And Dukakis would have been the winner. See, Delmarie, I'm listening to that story, and it just shows me the Democrats have always been wedded to conventional wisdom that has never really won it out for them. And they still stay wedded to it. I agree. You can't have a black guy. You can't have a woman. You can't have a lefty. It's just they always cling to conventional wisdom. And conventional wisdom, more often than not, doesn't work for the Democrats. I agree with you 100%. I was out there. I know what the feeling was, and it was unbelievable. I've never had anything even come close to it since then. You talk about 1988 for Jesse Jackson. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 84 was pretty intense, too. But the 84 was a whole interesting thing. They were in memory lane because Harold <laughs> Washington uh, and Jesse, they had rival. I don't know if you remember this, but they had had uh, rival slates of delegates. That the guy was a Harold Washington guy. So I wasn't for Jesse Jackson uh, in 84. I was for I was with Harold. Wasn't that weird? Well, I was actually that. in Norfolk, Virginia as a reporter. So I actually covered Jesse Jackson in Chesapeake, Virginia in 1984, never knowing in 1988 I'd be his national traveling press secretary. Well, now, this, uh, in light of you being his national president, let's just deal with this. I've had this argument and debate uh, with people on this show, uh, generally uh, black centrists. And uh, let's take the Bernie part out of the equation, but just I'll put it in there now because uh, I want you to concentrate on the substance of what mm-hmm. the argument is. And uh, so the centrists will say, well, Bernie's too uh, radical for black people. Uh, that black people are more cautious and pragmatic and conservative. Uh, and and then I always point out, Jesse Jackson's platform was Bernie before Bernie in 1988. Oh, Pretty much everything Bernie's calling for, Jesse was calling for in 88. And I didn't see any black people complaining about that. So I don't believe that that's another myth that's put out that, there. That is another myth. It has nothing to do with Bernie's platform. It has something to do with Bernie. Bernie has not had any relationship with the black community in, in, to any degree, 
to any relevant degree. I know that people talk about, well, when he was here at the University of Chicago, he marched with King. Uh, and I always say, and he left and went to the whitest state in the union. <laughs> Tell Marie <laughs> she said she wasn't going to relitigate the Bernie thing, but so, how many? I'll tell you, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me that about Bernie being in Vermont uh, back in 2016, I would at least have enough money uh, to buy a cup of coffee. Yes, <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll change the conversation, go a little local. I'm really curious to hear what Delmarie Cobb has to say about Kim Fox and the race for state. State's attorney uh, and some of the comments that came out of the Sun-Times editorial board meeting. So we'll be right back with Delmarie Cobb. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. We don't know all of the numbers, but we know this much. A campaign that started a year ago with four staff members, no name recognition, no money, just a big idea. A campaign that some said should have no business even making this attempt has taken its place at the front of this race to replace the current president with a better vision for the future. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Tell Marie Cobb in the studio getting ready for a Kim Fox question before I deliver it. D, you got an update for us? Uh, just remember to follow us online on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Ben, how's that Instagram page looking? Unbelievable. Hold on, another phone call. Oh, hello? Zuckerberg, stop calling me at the show when I'm on the air. Yeah, I know I'm killing Facebook. I, I'll go easy with the... Instagram. Well, no, wait. Facebook owns Instagram. But you're awful at Facebook. I know, but <laughs> I'm destroying the Facebook company oh, by okay. overbreak. Come on, get the joke straight, all right? I see, I see. <laughs> all right, it's not a great joke, but it is a joke. <laughs> all right, shout out to everybody on the live stream chat today. You guys are awesome. Steven, KMA, Barry, Jay Marie, all of you. Steven, back on the live stream. He was gone for a few days. Welcome back, my Wait, friend. Wait, Steven the one who said I, not to use Bernie bro? Yeah, he was the one who you know told what? us not to say Bernie bro. You're right, Steven. I sit correct. So why did he say that? Uh, do you have the, the quote? I'll go scroll up here, and I'll look and find it here. Uh, he you was, know the reporter and me had to oh, do I the know. follow-up I question. <laughs> All right. Just I'm a, sorry. I missed there's it. There's a Bernie bro in that Delmarie is cultivating. <laughs> She's getting ready to, to feel the burn. It's just taking her a little... Or the Sanders sister. A Sanders sister, like Jeanette Taylor. So the many, alderman to the south of her. We have so many people on the chat here. Uh, let's see. Well, I could paraphrase uh, it. Yeah, uh, I got yeah. it. I got yeah, it here. Yeah. Hang tight. Uh, let's see here. Stephen Boy. Oh, boy. He... he 
Let's see here. Okay, bro implies. Okay, hold on a second. Sorry for the delay here. Bernie bro is an anti-progressive attack, which is not founded in an empirical understanding of the Bernie camp. It's very upsetting to hear this on the show 37 times a day. Calling Bernie supporters bros erases the women and people of color who support Bernie. And uh, Tiba Buchanan agreed with him, mm -hmm. and I had th it does erase. Although, although as I pointed out, uh, I talked to one die-hard Bernie supporter, a woman who said, "I'm a Bernie bro." <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so you know, he's I, right. I'm glad I I I didn't like it either. It, but it bothered me for other reasons. One, the woman thing, that that was part of it. The mm -hmm. other thing is just the appropriation of. You know, black people, black men calling each other brothers. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, every other word out of somebody's mouth who's white is bro, bro, yeah. bro, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I guess I've learned this lesson. An old guy can learn a lesson that like what a bro is. I This is something we. OK, this gets to um, uh, the Kim Fox race uh, because <laughs> somebody uh, said that Bill Conway, who's uh, the wealthy a gentleman running against Kim Fox uh, is a bro. And a bro has a conventional meaning outside of a racial one that has to do with someone who's sort of like back when we would have called them jocks, I think. I, I'm trying to mm -hmm. put it in a generational context that right. you and I would understand. Right. We would call them jocks mm -hmm. uh, and you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, bro in that meeting. But anyway, Stephen, you were right. I'm wrong. I won't use it again. And if I do, Dennis will correct me. That's correct. All right. Thank you, uh, Robert <laughs> Mueller. All right, uh, Delmarie, no more uh, uh, beating around the bush, uh, to quote Marvin Gaye. We're going to get right down mm -hmm. to it. Uh, Kim Fox is running for re-election. Uh, and she's dealing with uh, the fallout from Smollett Gate. Uh, you, we have discussed Smollett Gate uh, on the show with you. Much many, to do about nothing. And uh, I agree with you basically on that point, although I take great delight in talking about it, I must admit. Mm -hmm. um, so she's being challenged by three uh uh, candidates, uh, Bill Conway, who's the, the young man whose father has a lot of money. Uh, Who's going to fight for people like Candace Clark. That is where I'm getting to. Bob Fioretti, uh, who used to be the alderman of the second ward when it was still more or less uh, rooted on the south side. Uh, and Donna Moore. Uh, and so at the, um, uh, at the uh, board meeting of the uh, Sun-Times, uh, Conway was taken to task uh, by Well, no, the Sun-Times brought out the fact that Conway had been taken to task by uh, the Black Caucus, the Chicago Automatic Black Caucus. Hey, every now and then I agree with the Black Caucus of the City Council. Uh, Delmarie's smiling. Uh, <laughs> and because Conway's been airing commercials featuring a young black woman named Candace Clark, and I'm reading from the Sun-Times, uh, Conway pointed out that his client, Candace Clark, also charged with disorderly conduct, wasn't treated the same way that Smollett was before Clark pleaded out. Cook County Judge Mark Martin no at a hearing that Clark's case was, quote, a lot less egregious than Mr. Smollett's case, unquote. Like Smollett, Clark was accused of filing a false police report in 2018. Her case involved allegations of check forgery. Quote, why is she being treated differently, the judge asked at the time. Fox on Tuesday said Conway exploited the Hoffman Estates woman's case for his political gain. The Black Caucus released a statement saying... Conway is an opportunistic candidate who took on the Candace Clark case simply for personal gain. Instead of exploiting people of color, Conway should focus on his plans to deliver equitable justice, that is, if he has any. 
It's unclear up to this moment uh, since he spent all of his father's money on Jesse Smollett's ad. Oh, the black automatic caucus gets a funny little dig in there. Uh, Your response to all that? Well, I, you know, the problem is that Kim is running a, I think, not a very good campaign. I mean, this Rose Garden approach, to me, is a failing approach. I mean, I, I mean, she's in a war, and she needs to get dirty. And I don't mean dirty like dirty politics. I mean, get if, it's, if we're going to fight, then we're both going to get dirty, fighting. And, and so, but she's not doing that. Uh, even the commercial she has now, the second commercial that she has, the first one was good. It's the intro commercial about who she is. And, but the second commercial, she's not running for U.S. Attorney General or Illinois Attorney General. Why are you talking about Trump or immigrants? That's not the biggest issue in the city of Chicago or Cook County. So she's got all these people around her who are from somewhere else, and they're running a national campaign. They're not running a Cook County in the mud, let's get dirty campaign. And Conway is, and he has the money, and he's using a young black woman against another black woman. And unfortunately, because she's young, she doesn't even know she's being used. Because I don't know who she has around her. But in reading the case, this is my take from it. Smollett didn't get off scot-free. He, he $10,000 fine, you know, he did some community service work. But the, Kim probably saw this black woman and, and I'm not saying Kim personally, but the office. Mm-hmm. And, and she could be saved. You want to do something to save her so that she doesn't ever get in trouble again. People don't go around filing false police reports if you are a good girl. As she says, I'm just an ordinary girl. I didn't do nothing. Well, you filed a false police report. That is something. And part of what they... The punishment was, was a fine, court supervision, and get a job. What's wrong with that? If that's going to keep you out of trouble, if that's going to make sure you don't ever do this again, be grateful. You didn't get jail time. So what is the problem? That you got punished at all? So you file a police report, false police report, and there should be no punishment? Just a pat on the wrist? I have a problem with that. And, I, and she is being used. But Kim is not fighting. Uh, follow that up. What, in your humble opinion, should Kim Fox be doing to show the fighting spirit? What should she be doing? Talk about what you've done. Talk about the people who have benefited from what you've done. All the people you, let out of, you got out of jail for false imprisonment, who m- police misconduct or for uh, marijuana charges. All of those things, the things that don't matter in the big scheme of things, but our community is always paying the price. Talk about that. Talk about that's how you got in. Because these same people who are shouting about her being soft on crime, who look like Bill Conway, because they took a cell phone off the table, off their table at the restaurant, or they took a backpack when they were on the train or something like that. And yes, those are problems. But black folks are being killed. Black folks are under siege. 
And where were any of these people when Anita Alvarez and the police were letting police get off with murdering black people and they weren't saying a word? Where was the outrage then? But the outrage now is about a cell phone being taken off a table while you're downtown because you think you shouldn't be inconvenienced. That's what she needs to talk about. Uh, the cell phone on the table. I'm with you 100%. No, I just but don't I'm know saying, the, uh, the, but no, to. people are saying she's soft on crime oh. because they're now having those kinds of petty crimes. I got you. And they're being inconvenienced mm-hmm. because people who I know who were in the South Loop or in other white communities said that they had a very hard time getting signatures for Kim from white people because they said she was soft on I crime. I see. I got you. Okay. All right. Uh, the crime being uh, uh, like a petty theft case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we're, we're not condoning stealing cell phones here. That's not the point that... Uh, but when my community is being killed, I, I, I do have a problem with that. What do you think about if she pointed out exactly who was against her? You talk about uh, when, when you said, I know dirty was in quotes. So uh, effectively, Conway, Moore, and Bob Fioretti as well is also playing this card that she's uh, soft on crime, uh, that she's letting perpetrators out, that Chicago is a more dangerous place, or Cook County is a more dangerous place. This is their argument because of her. Uh, so they're going at her at that. More dangerous than what? Than what it was a couple of years ago? More dangerous than that? More dangerous than 600 people being killed just a couple of years ago? More dangerous than the billion dollars we've spent since 2014 on police misconduct? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I missed the point. So she should air, uh, she'd probably, if she take a page from Trump, talk, take credit for declining uh, murders in Chicago. Exactly. Everybody else is taking credit for them. Exactly. And take credit for the fact that, you know, not putting these people in jail Mm -hmm. means we're not paying for them when they're sitting up there for petty thefts and other misdemeanor crimes. And we're paying for them till they get to court. And sometimes they're in jail for a year before they even get to court because they don't have the money for bail. And how does that help you? When you lose your job or, you know, some of these young people may have had jobs, but you're not going to have a job if you're in jail. Mm -hmm. Their families don't have the money. And no, I'm not condoning this because I don't think any of it's right. And I think they should be punished. But the the punishment should be commiserate with the crime. And that's what and that's what Kim came in to do. Level the playing field. And I just have a problem with where was the outrage when black people were being mistreated? Mm -hmm. Where was the outrage when black people, when John Burge was around Mm -hmm. or Nita Alvarez? And again, nobody was uh, was upset about that videotape of Laquan McDonald, except the community. The community is the reason that tape came to light, not the people in power. They were doing everything they could to bury it. So, I mean, let's talk about outrage. Everybody says, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. But the only people who are ever marching and in the dirt and in the trenches are us. We're always by ourselves. But everybody's on the sidelines, I'm with you. Delmaria, you don't even uh, we go back 
this is my favorite example to use uh, to uh, contrast the outrage over uh, Smollett is uh, the lack of, uh, what do I put, um, lack of opposition and outrage to the Cook County State's Attorney's handling of the, uh, the Daly uh, nephew who killed a kid uh, on uh, the Gold Coast. This is not even a racial issue. This is pure politics, Delmarie Cobb. The connection suddenly. <laughs> I think they are harder on Jesse Smollett than they were on the Daily Nephew. If you, it took right. sometimes ten years of writing stories. I think it was something like that before they prosecuted. Exactly. Uh, man, I would. Wouldn't you love to see Kim Fox come out with a commercial like that? Right. Hey, where was the outrage over the Daily Nephew? And as I said, you know, sixteen shots versus sixteen counts. So we're going to be mad at Jesse Smollett for 16 counts, but we're going to be okay with Rahm Emanuel and 16 shots. Uh, I think I, we, I, th- I think we're going to have Kim Fox as a guest on the show in a couple of weeks. You mind if I play back what you just said? <laughs> you okay with that? I'm fine. Okay. We're going to play. Hey, Kim, this is uh, advice from Delmarie Cobb, who's been around the block a few times. Uh, we'll close with this. I see uh, a correlation. Uh, so Bob Conway is using this young woman, uh, Candace Clark, in his commercials. Uh, I know you didn't watch the Super Bowl, but Donald uh, John Trump uh, used uh, a woman named Alice uh, Marie Johnson in his commercial. Very similar. Uh, Alice Marie Johnson is a black woman from Tennessee uh, who was facing a life imprisonment for drug trafficking charges. Uh, Kim Kardashian uh, uh, urged Donald Trump to take up the case, and he commuted the sentence. And the commercial that ran, the 30-second spot that ran during the Super Bowl, uh, concluded with uh, Alice Marie Johnson saying, uh, thank you, Donald John Trump. And sort of comparable, don't you agree? No, I do agree. And, you know, it would be fine. Everybody can find us when they need us, but they can never find us once they get where they need to be. And that's what I have such a problem with. We're even during these presidential elections. I mean, everybody knows that the vote is with the black community. No Democrat can win without the black vote. No Democrat. That's why I say Delmarie Cobb, they should uh, have a black woman as a running mate. We'll leave it there. We'll close out the show with that. And Bernie Sanders, why don't you give Delmarie Cobb a call, huh? Let's just make peace from 2016. All right, Bernie Sanders, if you're listening. Uh, Delmarie Cobb, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, regular on the show as long as I've had a show, and I appreciate all the support well, you've thank given you. me. Uh, Delmarie Cobb was a guest. Atiba Buchanan was a guest. And, of course, the legendary Monroe Anderson was a guest. Comes on the show every Wednesday. And, of course, as Delmarie can tell you, the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Uh, back home in Alton, Delmarie, I don't know if you knew this, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. <laughs> take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jaromsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. You join on YouTube and you can uh, join the live stream chat if you dare. It's a good time. We'll see you tomorrow. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit.